When is the trade deadline this year? I gotta look it up. This is such bad radio. Thursday, February 6th. What in turn it? The 2021 trade deadline, Google. Why would you give me, you know what? Forget it. It's coming up soon. Sorry I asked. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Before we start the show today, I, I want to address uh, some rumors, some haters. I heard murmurs today. People uh, doubting tonight's show. I saw it on social media. I, I know you're out there. People are skeptical. People are murmuring. See, the state basketball tournament is in town uh, at the Lacrosse Center. Some of it's being played this year at the Lacrosse Center. Some of it is in Oshkosh, where the G League team plays, where the herd plays. So it's kind of spread throughout the state. But that means a bunch of local media is in town. I have a couple of friends who work at stations around the state. So I saw a couple of friends last night. Maybe had a couple of drinks. Very safely. Not a huge group. Not a packed bar. A little bit. Had a couple of drinks, and I heard murmurs today that I wasn't going to be in tip-top shape to host the show. That tonight's show was going to suffer, and it wasn't the quality wasn't going to be there. What a joke. That's what that is. That's, that's a joke. This might be the best show of the week. We were gifted by the sports content gods an amazing NFL story today. We have two outstanding guests. Don't, don't doubt my ability to have a couple of beers one night. And show up the next day and host a fantastic sports show. Don't don't doubt it. And I, I heard the doubters today. There were murmurs. There, there were murmurs. There were. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. And I hope you're having an excellent Thursday night. Uh, yeah, I did go out a little bit last night. I had a couple of drinks. Uh, I had a friend who's a journalist from Rhinelander who was down here covering uh, a local team. So, yeah, a little bit. Do I feel my best today? Am I in, in tip-top shape? No, but that's not going to impact the show. It never would. I, I could lose a limb. This would still be the finest Wisconsin sports program around. You to know that. Know that, okay? It is going to be, this might be the best show of the week. And I didn't feel that way until about 1 o'clock this afternoon when I kind of saw how the show was coming together. I'm like, holy smokes, this is going to be really, really fun. We're going to talk with Matthew Collar of Purple Insider, not just about the Vikings. Matthew's so good on on just about anything I can throw at him. I want to talk about the big news of the day in the NFL. That's Russell Wilson. We're going to talk about that in a sec. I want to ask him about the Packers too, but also a little bit about the Vikings because I don't I don't know if you've noticed. I don't know if we've talked about it. The Vikings offense is going to be, this offense is unreal. And that's something the Packers are going to have to deal with. Or if you're a Bears fan, something the Bears are going to have to deal with. And if you're a Vikings fan, something that you're going to have to deal with like in a positive way like you get to watch that you get to enjoy it so I want to talk about the Vikings as well with Matthew but also some other NFL topics and our our Badger ringer Zach Heilprin the voice of the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network will join us coming up at 5 30 to talk Badgers I think this is it for the Badgers this Saturday is it this is their 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 best chance to get a statement win before the conference tournament and before March Madness this is it Illinois on Saturday so we're gonna put all our chips down on the table, lay our cards face up or whatever analogy you want to use. We'll do that and talk to Zach coming up at 5.30. Your takes, your opinions, your texts are always welcome. 608-796-2558. Jeff, Brett, and Eau Claire, appreciate you both reaching out already. I can take your texts throughout the show, and of course you can follow and tweet me at Wisco Grant uh, on Twitter, too, if Twitter's your thing. This morning I woke up, 
And I started thinking, okay, what are we going to talk about on the show tonight? Well, we didn't have a Bucks game. Can't do that. We didn't have a Badger game. No Packers news. No Brewers news. I'm not doing the J.J. Watt thing. But at some point this morning, this beautiful February day, the content gods reached down from content heaven and said, here, here is Russell Wilson. He's upset and wants to be traded. Do with that what you will. And also with you type of situation. What a, what a gift. What an absolute gift. And I can't explain it. Russell Wilson is the content drug. I, I can't quit. I cannot quit talking about Russell Wilson. I think his story in this moment and up until this moment in Seattle is fascinating. I think it's just as interesting as Aaron Rodgers' trajectory in Green Bay or Tom Brady. It, it's a fascinating story with all these little wrinkles and little dramatic twists and turns. And most people don't hold Russell Wilson accountable for any of those dramatic twists and turns. Aaron Rodgers, yes. Uh, Tom Brady, to an extent, yes. Russell Wilson, for the most part, escapes criticism. I, look, if you're new to the show and you've started listening maybe in the last week, I know we we hopefully added some new listeners in Eau Claire on Sports Talk 105.1, or if you're just finding the show now, however you're listening, I want to I be clear about this. I'm not a Russell Wilson hater. I'm not a hater. I don't go out of my way to hate on anyone, except maybe Trey Young a little bit this week. Okay, learn to play defense. I won't hate you. That's not hate. That's just analysis. Boom. It's not hate. It's analysis. Put it on a bumper sticker. Wisco Sports Show, 4 to 6, every night. I'm not a Russell Wilson hater. I'm a Russell Wilson realist. And I come across as a hater because everybody has their head in the sand when it comes time to talk about Russell Wilson. And we talked about this for like a minute at the end of last night's show. The NBA All-Star selections came out. And Devin Booker didn't make it. Well, he's in now because Anthony Davis is injured. And everyone, everyone was beside themselves in disbelief that Devin Booker didn't make the All-Star game. I was like, well, only so many people can make it. And Devin Booker wasn't one of the best, you know, 12 or whatever the the number is, whatever the cutoff is. Why are we pretending to be outraged? It's the same thing with LeBron. Can't believe he hasn't won an MVP since such and such a year. Okay, well, if you go back year by year, where should he have won one? Where was it supposed to happen? Because it's pretty clear cut over the last decade. Yeah, Giannis deserved that. Harden deserved that. Russ and the triple-double deserved that. Like, it's clear. But people still want to complain about it. And Russell Wilson. I can't believe he's never got an MVP vote. Well, show me the year where he was the MVP. Show me the year where he deserved an MVP vote. Josh Allen. More career MVP votes now than Russell Wilson. I see him for what he is. And I might come across like a hater. No, sorry. I'm accurate. No one else is. I see him for what he is. He's the third or fourth best quarterback in the NFL. Depending on what week it is. What season it is. He has a tremendous deep ball possibly the best in the league, but he has a few imperfections. He doesn't deal with pressure well. He doesn't read the offense very well because he's always moving around and he's holding on to the ball, and he's not very accurate in the intermediate to short passing game, and he throws Super Bowl losing interceptions. Far be it for me to be critical of a player that throws an interception that costs their team a Super Bowl. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm critical. I'm the jerk. My bad. And he isn't, despite what people say, an MVP quarterback. Russell Wilson last year was quarterbacking a team very similar to the team that Aaron Rodgers quarterbacked in 2016, right? Couple half-decent weapons, right? But not really a running game, not really an offensive line, and no defense to be heard of. Aaron Rodgers took that version of that team from a 4-6 and six start to a 10-6 and six finish into an NFC Championship game. Of course, we hold that against him because he lost because Atlanta was really, really good, which is unfair. Right? Russell Wilson last year, he couldn't beat, he can barely beat the Washington football team. He could barely beat the, the New York Giants. They lost to the Giants. 
they're two different quarterbacks. The line between Rodgers and Brady and Mahomes and Russell Wilson, there's a line of demarcation. Nobody wants to admit it. I guess I'm the only one, which makes me a hater. All that being said, I'm about to defend Russell Wilson. I'm about to take the side of Russell Wilson. It was reported earlier today by a couple writers, a couple staff writers at The Athletic. Mike Sando, you might know him. He does the quarterback tiers every year. Uh, Michael Sean Duggar and Jason Jenks all teamed up to do this all-inclusive expose, really, on what's been going on with Seattle and Russell Wilson. And apparently, Wilson's camp has approached the Seahawks about a trade. Some even believe that a trade could happen in the near future, which isn't shocking. Seattle has has broached this. They've come dangerously close to doing this before. If you remember the, the Baker Mayfield draft, was that 2018? When it was rumored that Seattle might be looking to move Russell Wilson for that number one overall pick. Remember that? And that led... Russell Wilson to want to secure a no-trade clause in his next contract, right? This relationship has been contentious at times, but it seems to certainly be coming to a head now. One detail from this article, and I'm not going to read you excerpts from this piece, but I will read you this one quote. Before the Tuesday night, or before the Thursday night game against Arizona, Wilson met with the coaches. For some time, Wilson has sought, even pushed, for influence within the organization regarding scheme and personnel. In the meeting, he outlined his own ideas for how to fix the offense. His suggestions were dismissed, multiple sources told The Athletic. Another reminder to Wilson that the Seahawks did not see him the same way he sees himself, as a player who earned greater control over the situation, his future, and his legacy. He stormed out of the room. Ooh, woo, yeah, we needed this today. Give me more of this. Adam Schefter piled on this afternoon on Twitter saying, Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson has not demanded a trade. His agent, Mark Rogers, told ESPN. Wilson has told the Seahawks that he wants to play in Seattle, but if a trade were considered, the only teams he would go to are the Cowboys, Saints, Raiders, and the Bears. Uh, Before anybody asks me, before Bears fans ask me, like, oh, do you think there's a... I I think the Bears are mentioned here as leverage. I think the Bears were mentioned in this case as leverage. I think they were mentioned by Philly and the Carson Wentz deal as leverage. It's, It's just believable. Good defense, running game. They need a quarterback. Like, that's a believable destination. That's leverage. The Cowboys is legit. Like, I think he would work on the Cowboys. I don't think he can make it work financially with the Saints, and I don't know what he's up with the Raiders, but the Raiders and and the Davises, they they might be gutsy enough to make that move. I think the Bears were mentioned as leverage because it's believable. The Bears would be a natural fit, even if... Really? Chicago? You want to go play for the Bears? Doesn't really make sense. So... To clarify, Russell Wilson does not want to be traded, but if he were, he would accept trades to the to these couple of places. Clear as mud, right? I don't want to turn this segment into my own personal victory lap, but I but I kind of have to, just a little bit, to, to fully break down what's going on here. I'm gonna take the side of Russell Wilson, but I, I first need to remind everyone, like this is this is what I've been saying for weeks, for months. I said this is gonna happen. This is Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy. 2.0, just like I said it was a couple of months ago. And it's now coming to a head, right? Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy, early success in their career. Go to a Super Bowl, win it. Come close and get back in 20, or they don't get back, but a great team in 2011. They're a great team in 2014. And then things started to go south. The defense fell apart. The offense got stale the same way that the defense has gotten bad and the offense has gotten stale in Seattle, right? Then there's a little push here and there. Unhappiness with the head coach and the direction of the team. So... Mike McCarthy was let go, right? And I think that's where we're headed with Seattle. 
I predicted a couple of weeks ago that this upcoming year is going to be Pete Carroll's last season in Seattle. Things are certainly lining up for that to be the case. I mean, even the expose that was written about this scenario, it's eerily similar to what was written about Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy by Ty Dunn in Bleacher Report a couple of years ago. Ty Dunn's bombshell report, I went back and looked today, it was 7,900 words. This one wasn't as beefy, but it was still a full 4,100. Like, like these are long expose pieces about a history of discomfort between two parties. This is the same thing. I'm being proven right every day with my McCarthy, Pete Carroll, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson comparison. Wilson and Carroll are on the same career arc that Rodgers and McCarthy were. They're just a couple of years behind. Now, assuming Russell Wilson doesn't get traded, and assuming they go into the season, let's say they appease Wilson one way or another. Okay, we'll throw the ball more, we promise. And Russell Wilson is appeased, and they go into the season. This will be the last season that Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll are together. I don't see any way around that. I would recommend that Seattle fires Pete Carroll and builds around Russell Wilson, but I don't know if that's the way this is going to go. Seattle prioritizes their system and their defense and their running game and their coach. They prioritize everything over Russell Wilson. John Schneider is always looking at new quarterbacks. He wanted to draft Patrick Mahomes. It was rumored that they were going to trade that number one overall pick that would have been Baker Mayfield. They wanted to trade Russell Wilson for that pick, right? Remember, they signed Matt Flynn like... John Schneider, the GM in Seattle, has always explored other avenues at quarterback. They're always looking to get better. It's that obnoxious trait that stuck with them after leaving Green Bay. Now, you know that I'm not a huge Russ fan, but Seattle is making a huge mistake if they prioritize their system and the way they do things and their coach over Russell Wilson. That would be unbelievably stupid. Seattle has a choice. All right, They can build around Russell Wilson, maybe draft some offensive line talent, and make sure they're putting weapons around Wilson. Right? And they could bring in some new offensive minds, a new offensive coordinator, or a new head coach completely, and get back to another Super Bowl. Or they could trade Russell Wilson, build a defense and a running game, and essentially become the West Coast Chicago Bears. I don't know why the second option sounds more appealing, but if I had to bet money, I think John Schneider and the Seahawks might take that option. To me, this choice is easy. Do the same thing the Packers did. You have a second act in your quarterback's career where you bring in a new offensive mind, somebody to revive your quarterback. I'm not saying Russell Wilson is going to win his third MVP at age 36. He would have to win his first before winning his second or his third. You'd have to get a vote before we, you know, come close to that territory. The Packers made this choice and it worked out really, really, really well. They nailed it. And they should have been in the Super Bowl this last year. And they might have very well won it had they handled their business against Tampa Bay. Imagine... If back in 2018, the Packers had chosen Mike McCarthy over Aaron Rodgers, no one was wanting that. No one even broached that top. Okay, well, I guess one person did. If I were going to get rid you ready for this? If I were going to get rid of one of the two, who would I get rid of? You ready? I'd get rid of Rodgers. I'm going to keep a great coach. I think that guy is a great coach. What did you just say? You heard what I said. I just, Mm. you heard what I said. I think McCarthy is one of those coaches that you absolutely hang on to, especially now if you look at Rodgers. And how how old is he now? 32, 33? Yeah. Okay, so there was one person, and it was Terry Bradshaw, who (laughs) I love Terry. He's a great entertainer. We have never held Terry Bradshaw responsible for any take that he's ever had. We allow that man to just throw out an opinion and a take, and we're like, oh, look at Terry. That's adorable. Anyways, move along. That was December 23rd. 2016. That's when that episode of Speak for Yourself aired on Fox Sports 1. 
Four years later, Aaron Rodgers has now won an MVP at age 37. Pete Carroll is 69. Nice. So the idea that, that you got to move off of Russell Wilson because he's what? Russell Wilson is 32 off the top of my head? Yeah, 32. Well, you can't build around a 32-year-old quarterback. You got to build around your 69-year-old head coach who still thinks that the running game is going to lead to championships. You know, like, I, this is obvious to me. I think it's obvious to everyone else. I like Pete Carroll. He's a great coach. I like Mike McCarthy. He's a great coach. But these things don't last forever. Relationships don't last forever. Coaches don't last forever. And it's in the best interest of the Seahawks and Russell Wilson and the Seahawks trying to win championships. It's in the best interest to move off of Pete Carroll and, and start strip it down to the studs like the Packers did. Yeah, it was clunky. Yeah, it was probably a ding to the ego of the Packers to have to do that. Everyone wants to be the Steelers and have coaches for 25, 30 years, but that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Seahawks should do the right thing. It's obvious. I don't know that they will. The Packers did. You don't need any more evidence on how to handle the situation. Just look at what Green Bay did. It worked out pretty darn well for them. Let's take a break. I want to continue to talk about this. I want to bring Aaron Rodgers into this conversation and also talk about the rest of the NFC and the quarterbacks in the NFC as a whole. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills, and I appreciate you hanging out. Thanks for tuning in and talking Wisconsin sports. 608-796-2558. That is the number if you'd like to send me a text. Jeff, uh, one of our resident Bears fans, texting me about the Bears being mentioned as a potential destination for Russell Wilson or a preferred uh, and accepted destination. Because remember, Russell Wilson has a no-trade clause, so he can say no. But I guess he would say yes to the Bears. Not to rain on any parade. Far be it for me to rain on a parade on a day as beautiful as this one. I think the Bears are mentioned as leverage, right? Get that out there. Show the Seahawks, hey, we can leak some stuff too. If you want to go leaking stuff to the media about this situation, we'll leak some stuff too. And oh, by the way, if you trade me, trade me to the Bears. Yeah, I'd rather play for Chicago than the Seahawks. Not an anti-Bears thing. I just think they they fit, right? They got the defense. They got like, it would appear to be a ready-made spot for a quarterback. I don't believe it to be a, you know, a Deshaun Watson all of a sudden Super Bowl team, although they'd be pretty darn good. I think they have other issues, as all teams have other issues. No team is a quarterback away. Not even the Rams. Talked about that at length. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's my take so far on the Bears being mentioned as, as a preferred destination of Russell Wilson. William tweets in, as does Big Joe. Will says, I'm driving so I can't Google, but I can surely text. How many concussions did Terry Bradshaw suffer? I don't know. One would think quite a few if you're saying stuff like this. If I were going to get rid you ready for this? If I were going to get rid of one of the two, who would I get rid of? You ready? I'd get rid of Rodgers. I'm going to keep a great coach. I think that guy is a great coach. What did you just say? You heard what I said. I just, Mm. you heard what I said. I think McCarthy is one of those coaches that you absolutely hang on to, especially now if you look at Rodgers. And how how old is he now? 32, 33? Yeah. Yeah, 32. You got to cut loose a guy when he hits 32. But far be it from the Seahawks to build around a 69-year-old head coach. Pete Carroll, you got to build around that guy. Yeah, Dump Russell Wilson for, you know, a couple second-round picks and a washing machine. We'll draft the next guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be smart. So we're talking about Russell Wilson. He's unhappy. He hasn't said that he wants out. He said everything but he wants out. He's like, I don't want to trade, but if, if I were to be traded, I would go here, here, and here. 
Here's my list, right? Like, hey, I'm I'm going uh, I'm going shopping. You need anything? Well, no, but uh, maybe this, 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 this. You know, same kind of thing. Hey, I'm I'm picking up some food on the way home. You want anything? Ah, uh, no. But if you do give me something, give me this, 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 this. Right? That's not how it works. That's not how it works. So Russell Wilson, by the way, the preferred destinations, according to the leak, which I can only assume came from Russell Wilson. Well, no, it, it came straight from Mark Rogers. Yeah, this is the Adam Schefter tweet today. Uh, Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson has not demanded a trade. His agent, Mark Rogers, told ESPN, right, from the horse's mouth. Wilson has told the Seahawks he wants to play in Seattle, but if a trade were considered, he would only go to the Cowboys, the Saints, the Raiders, and the Bears. Okay, so we have tangible evidence about an unhappy quarterback who may or may not want to go somewhere. So I feel okay speculating on this trade and some possible quarterback movement. I didn't really like talking about it with Aaron Rodgers because, you know, we had no evidence to, to indicate that perhaps Aaron Rodgers was going to be traded. We made it a story anyways. Th- there is there's fire to the smoke. This is legit, whether he gets dealt or not. Now, I think Rodgers included. The NFC quarterback situation is fascinating, and it's something I want to talk about with Matthew Collar, our guest coming up next from Purple Insider. I want to do a thought experiment with you. Bear with me. I'm going to throw out some hypotheticals, but they are realistic hypotheticals in my opinion, but they're hypotheticals nonetheless. So let's set the scene, okay? Let's assume a couple of things about the NFC. Let's assume Drew Brees is going to retire, which seems all but certain. Let's assume that Carolina doesn't trade for a quarterback and they have Teddy Bridgewater this season. We'll see. Let's assume that San Francisco doesn't trade for a quarterback or draft a quarterback and Jimmy G is the starter, which is what GM John Lynch indicated this week. And just for fun, this is the tiny little bit of leap of faith that this thought experiment requires. Just for fun, let's say Russell Wilson gets traded to the Raiders. To the Raiders. It's a bit of a reach, although if you look at Points Bet Sportsbook, uh, the odds for Russell Wilson's next destination, Seattle's the heavy favorite at minus 2,500, but Las Vegas is the next closest team at plus 400. I've seen Las Vegas talked about as an, as an option. I said Oakland earlier, my bad. Las Vegas Raiders. So let's assume Drew Brees retires, Carolina sticks with Teddy, San Francisco sticks with Jimmy G, which is what John Lynch said this week. And let's just for fun say that Russell Wilson gets dealt to the Las Vegas Raiders. All right, if all of that plays out, and I don't think it's that unrealistic, except for maybe Wilson getting moved, but the rest of it is very, very likely. Look around the NFC. The best quarterbacks are Aaron Rodgers, who's 36, Tom Brady, who's 43 and just had knee surgery. And then you're talking about Stafford and Dak. And, like, I like Matt Ryan, but he doesn't inspire confidence. I'm not betting on him to win the MVP. And then the rest of the NFC just becomes a big mess of Kirk Cousins, Jimmy G, and Teddy Bridgewater, and, I don't know, Jalen Hurts. (laughs) That's the NFC? That's the quarterback picture in the NFC? That's, we're going to have, we're going to have a power vacuum in the NFC. The NFC can be had for the next 10 years if somebody can get a quarterback and maybe that played into the decision-making of the Jordan Love pick. Brian Gutekunst realized that there's about to be a vacuum, a quarterback vacuum in the NFC. So he said, hey, let's get a jump start. Let's get the next guy. Let's get the Patrick Mahomes of the AFC right now. Or let's get Josh Allen. Let's, let's get a guy so we have our foot in the door when this conference overturns itself, when Rodgers moves on or retires, when Brady retires. Now, the NFC can be had. The AFC is a literal murderer's row of quarterbacks. I mean, think about this. Mahomes is 25. Watson's 25. Lamar Jackson's 24. Josh Allen's 24. And then you have this mid-tier of quarterbacks. Like, I really like Ryan Tannehill. I like Baker Mayfield. And there's this batch of young guys, Herbert, Burrow, Tua. 
and Trevor Lawrence is about to be in the AFC too. The AFC is stacked. And for the first time in a while, I'm glad the Packers aren't in the AFC. I'm glad they're in the NFC. The AFC has been the weaker conference for the better part of 15 years. I'm glad they're in the NFC. The TV is better in the NFC too. Like I just like watching games on Fox. Unless of course we have to hear Terry Bradshaw say stuff like this. If I were going to get rid, you ready for this? If I were going to get rid of one of the two, who would I get rid of? You ready? I get rid of Rodgers. I'm going to keep a great coach. I think that guy is a great coach. What did you just say? You heard what I said. I just, Mm. you heard what I said. I think McCarthy is one of those coaches that you absolutely hang on to, especially now if you look at Rodgers. And how how old is he now? 32, 33? Yeah. Classic. 32. Move off him. Move off him. Tom Brady just won a Super Bowl of 43, but that's none of my business. None of my business. Let's continue to talk quarterbacks, Packers, Vikings as well with our upcoming guest, Matthew Collar of Purple Insider. He's great, and I'm very excited to have him on. Let's take a quick break. Talk some more football coming up next. My name, Grant Bills. If you want to tweet at me over the break, have a little back and forth at Wisco Grant, the Wisco Sports Show, back after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. About to talk some Vikings and some football with our guy Matthew Collar of Purple Insider. Something else for Minnesota sports fans. This, I hate this. Minnesota Timberwolves guard Malik Beasley, candidate for most improved player, is being suspended 12 games by the NBA. Her conduct stemming from offseason charges. Timberwolves fans just can't catch a break. I want the Wolves to be good. I do. They're not in the Bucks conference. It would, it would just be good for... Basketball fandom in this area of the country. This this stinks. He was hooping. Yeah, he's on my fantasy team team as well, but I can be objective. It's not, uh, it sucks either way, whether I'm losing in fantasy or not. Uh, let's talk to our guest, Matthew Collar of Purple Insider. Uh, you can subscribe at purpleinsider.substack.com. He, his podcast game is awesome. He did a great one with Courtney Cronin this week as well. Matthew, I'm so thankful that you are willing to join me and talk NFL and Vikings. I think I last talked to you, if I'm looking at our messages, last October. How was the rest of the season covering the Vikings in a COVID, I don't know, compressed season? And I I see there's some cool things happening at Purple Insider, too. Well, it never became not weird. I mean, it was always weird. Like, I, I have been covering this team for five years and always in the locker room and going on road trips and into the locker room post game and and you sort of have a way of doing things that are status quo and normal. And then all of a sudden, all of that was thrown out the window. So suddenly at, you know, training camp, we're a thousand feet away from all the players trying to figure out who's having a good day in practice. And everything was through zoom, which I think all of us got tired of zooms by the end of the, the year. And even going to games, it was like, They were playing in a funeral home or something. I mean, we're used to these big, giant events that feel so huge every game where people are tailgating outside and there's bands playing and everything else. And then you get to third down inside U.S. Bank Stadium, and it's as loud as any stadium in the NFL. And then here we are with just being completely empty and mostly noiseless. And uh, I'm not used to being able to be heard myself. I mean, like, usually if you're, you know, saying something to another reporter next to you, if it's louder there, you've got to yell and scream. And then, you know, it's kind of like, 
uh, let's let's not talk too loud because they might hear us down on the field. It was so you know it was so weird. Yeah, so, and well, and Lambeau is awesome. I love games at Lambeau, but it's not loud like U.S. Bank Stadium is. Like Lambeau will get bumping, but U.S. Bank is. I, I, it's like a jet engine, and I've never been to a game there. I've talked to people who've covered games there, and even local reporters who've gone. And we have Vikings fans that I that I work with and that I know because we're right on the border here. But it's it, that would have to be a really weird contrast. Um, Lambo, I'm sure, was weird. U.S. Bank Stadium and, and like the Superdome, much of the same, had to be really, really weird. And interestingly enough, Seattle is another one of those places. I want to talk about the big story of the day. I want to talk about Russell Wilson. Now, like this is a weird story because he doesn't want to trade. But he's saying, well, if I did get a trade, here's where I would want to go, which is like, yeah, I love my wife, but here are four or five women I, I guess I'd leave her for type of thing. Th- this is what I said be- right before you came on, before we took a break. Seattle is going through what Green Bay went through with Rodgers and McCarthy, right? Things are, are not working anymore like they used to. And the Packers hired a new coach, revive Rodgers. I think Seattle should do the same or at least get a new offensive coordinator or some kind of shakeup, even if they don't move on from Pete Carroll. What do you think of all this? Yeah, I think the issue is now that it's so public, um, it feels like it would be very reactionary for Seattle to just say, uh, hey, Pete Carroll, actually you get out, and we're choosing Russell Wilson over you. At least with Mike McCarthy, they waited until a moment where things were at their very bottom, and they had just had a terrible loss. I forget who it was to, but it was just it was, it was a really awful game, and they could say, okay, well, clearly we're not winning, and, and see you later. With this, I mean, Seattle is coming off a playoff loss to the Rams, but they're coming off of a season that mostly they were competitive and a good team and at the top of their division and all those things. And so it would feel very odd if their decision makers just said, eh, sorry, Pete Carroll, we're picking Russ over you. Um, but at the same time, you don't win a Russell Wilson trade because you're losing Russell Wilson. The only way that you win a Russell Wilson trade is if somehow Deshaun Watson ends up on the other side of it, and you know, I don't see any way possible that that ends up happening. So, you know, it's, it's very bizarre to put out the list of teams that you're going to go to, and then to include Chicago. I yes. said Chicago out loud about five times. I read it like Chicago, Her? Chicago, yeah. Chicago. What really? So, I mean, this situation. Uh, if you thought that the Deshaun Watson thing was weird, with um, you know, the way that their ownership has handled Deshaun Watson in that entire situation. It's like Seattle came flying in and said, oh, yeah, watch this or hold our beer or something. And then that's, that's kind of how it feels. And, and I think it actually is realistic that Russell Wilson could end up somewhere else. Yeah, I, I think it is, too. And I want to talk about that in a sec. But you, you had to bring up the Josh Rosen loss. That was the loss to the Cardinals. That was one of the most All brutal. Oh, right. I don't even, you don't need to talk about that. Uh, that was the Josh Rosen game. That was the highlight of his career, which I guess I can take solace in as a Packers fan as we allowed Josh Rosen to have a have a moment, and it ended up costing Mike McCarthy his job. You mentioned Russell Wilson. Actually, there's a possibility of him being traded. The odds right now, or at least some of them, I, the, the odds say that he remains in Seattle, but then the next closest team is the Raiders. And I, I find that interesting because think about this. Think of all the quarterbacks in the NFC. Assuming Breeze retires... And let's say Carolina sticks with Teddy Bridgewater and Jimmy G stays in Seattle, which is what John, or, uh, in San Fran, which is what John Lynch said. The NFC is now headlined by Rodgers and Brady, who are 36 and 43. And if Wilson's out of there, then the rest of the NFC is Stafford and Dak and Cousins. And you got to think Lawrence is in the AFC and chances that one or both of Wilson and Justin Fields are in the AFC, too. The NFC is going to have no good quarterbacks. It's going to be a complete vacuum. Have you thought about this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're the Vikings and you've been having these 
sort of rumors go on about trading Kirk Cousins, you might suddenly feel great about having Kirk Cousins. And I mean, that's not something that we've usually been talking about since Cousins arrived is the great quarterback situation for the Vikings. But you would almost be the one team that has stability and knows who your quarterback is and how to build around them where everybody else is either seeing their quarterbacks retire or traded or, or gone out of the division. So you're looking around saying, well, who, I mean, who am I even really afraid of? Uh, of course, it's Rodgers. And then who else? Um, there wouldn't be too many names if you're the Minnesota Vikings. So from their perspective, you're feeling pretty good. But, um, yeah, I don't know. The Raiders thing is weird because, like, I could see if he's got a relationship maybe with John Gruden. I don't know that he does, but where he might say that's a really cool place to be is Las Vegas. And, you know, maybe Gruden's a good offensive coach. They had a really good offense last year. And I could take it to the next level. But my question would be, do you want to be in Patrick Mahomes' division and why? Mm-hmm. I mean, I could I mean I guess I could see some of the other places like New Orleans. Who scares you in the NFC South right now? Nobody. So you could say, Yeah, all right, New Orleans, Sean Payton, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. I mean, that offense would be insane with Russell Wilson if they could fit it under the cap somehow. The Raiders, though, I mean, I don't know. I just like they have a good tight end. I guess I, that 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 was an odd. I mean, the whole the whole list is the fact that there is a list is odd. The whole list is also odd. Yeah, I well, if you really wanted to go like Colin Cowherd, like Galaxy Brain with this, well, you know, Ciara could do a residency in Vegas and blah blah blah. You know, this <laughs> yeah. and that. like I guess you could you could find a way to make it work. Matthew Collar, Purple Insider on the Vikings. I I listened to your pod that you did with Pro Football Focus. And then you did one regarding the draft with Courtney Cronin. And I, and I was trying to get a sense for, for what was being talked about with the Vikings. And I, this offense is going to be legit. This, this team is going to be, they're, they're going to score. Thielen, Jefferson. And I know you think that Spielman could or should take another wide receiver. I really like Irv, as Paul Allen says, Irv Smith. And then you almost forget that Dalvin Cook is still there. Like, how is this going to work? I am struggling to see how Mike Zimmer is going to embrace and coach a team through an offense how is that going to work if it works at all yeah no I mean I think you've nailed the big question is I think a lot of people in the NFL if they took over this situation and and just were coming from the outside they would say wow lean into your offense add more add one more playmaker get a guard for goodness sake I mean it's just been so long since they've had good interior offensive line play like Throw the ball all the time. Like, make people stop you through the air with all these great weapons and, and use Delvin Cook like a receiver sometimes. They never do that. I mean, he's basically screen passes or that it, that's it. And against Green Bay, that one of them screen passes was great, but the rest of the year they didn't really have a whole lot of success with him, and I just don't understand why he's not moved around a little more in Aaron Jones or Elvin Kamara-like fashion, and he's used more like Derrick Henry when he can catch a lot better. So I think if you're coming in from the outside, you'd say, wow, like this is your strength. Keep strengthening your strength. And, hey, look at the top teams that that were in the final four. They're all elite passing games. They're all top scoring teams. Go be one of them. But that's just not Mike Zimmer. I mean, Mike Zimmer wants to run the ball first, and he wants to try to hit big plays off play actions. He wants to not turn the ball over. He wants to play defense, and he wants to shut other teams down and invest a lot on the defensive talent. And I just, I feel like they're basically at sort of a fork in the road and they're trying to go straight and it just doesn't really work. Like they have a coach that does not fit their current roster now when he definitely did before. 
you know, 2015 through 2017, I mean, that was a stacked defense and qu- quarterbacks that were mostly like game managers. Sure, that was a great philosophy. I don't think that philosophy really fits now. And it's, I, I think that one of the results is just like Stefan Diggs not being here yeah. and the potential for, you know, the potential for other people to get frustrated too, including Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson. Like how, how even last year there was some frustration from Justin Jefferson about not getting the ball early enough in games. So, you know, it, it is a really fascinating situation from that perspective. I, I love what you said about strengthening your strength. And it's actually a point that I brought up a lot when the Packers drafted A.J. Dillon. Now, say what you want about positional value and running back in the second round for a team with other needs. Maybe not the best investment, depending on who you ask. But what I did like about that pick, well, first, I thought they were going to use him, which they really didn't. I know he got COVID, but like Aaron Jones got hurt in the NFC title game and they forgot how to run the ball. So that's a different discussion for a different time. But Matt LaFleur likes utilizing running backs in different ways. He can run his offense through them. When Devonta Adams has gotten hurt, it hasn't really slowed him down because he can run his scheme through running backs. So I thought, all right, lean into what makes you great. The Packers did that in 2011 when they had this great wide receiving core and they went and drafted Randall Cobb anyways. So I think there's something to be said for playing to your strength, not ignoring your weakness, but playing to your strength. I hope the Vikings do that because I think they could be a really entertaining offense to watch. Last question, Vikings gave Dalvin Cook a five-year deal 60 million bucks. So this is year two. So he was extended last offseason. He's going into year two of this deal. If you ran the Vikings and you could design this offense and kind of structure things, how would you run this team to ensure that Cook remains as healthy and as effective as possible for as much of this contract as possible? Yeah, I think you have to look at Alvin Kamara as the model for that. And, you know, I'm sure at some point Kamara will fall off or he'll get hurt or whatever because that happens to every single running back. But if you're presenting the scenario as you already made the mistake of paying a running back, now what? Well, you've got to use the guy to where it's going to be the most valuable, which is in the passing game, and make him more of a uh, an all-around type of playmaker and cut those carries down. I mean, from – I think week eight on, he had a pace for over 400 carries. I mean, like, there's only been a couple running backs ever who have run for 400 carries. And if he had played 16 games, he would have pushed that. I mean, that is not the way to get the most out of your running back long term. That is pretty much Mike Zimmer saying, we've got to win this game this week, and I don't care how tired the guy is or I don't care what this does long term. We're plowing him into the line five more times. And that's just you go back and look, even Adrian Peterson, when he ran like somewhere around you know, 350 to 375 times, the next year he dropped off significantly in yards per carry, even a guy who is an all-time freak. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that they were like downright irresponsible with their handling of Delvin Cook last year, and the best way to change it is to look at 200 carries and then you know, use it more in the passing game. But also they drafted a running back in the third round couple years ago alexander madison who is good and averages four and a half yards to carry and they don't use him and so it's you know it kind of speaks to the like they have a lot of people that are good at what they do but are you getting the maximum out of those people like is your sort of some of the parts type of issue and i think that that's what they have well and that's not what helps you contend like it's great to have dalvin cook and to have these gaudy numbers and have him be in the mvp conversation but where's that getting you right you don't hang a banner for having a great running back season you invested in this guy and i and i like dalvin cook he's a special player and he truly makes the nfc north a lot more interesting when he's healthy i want to see the vikings kind of design their offense with that in mind and they should because they just invested in him long term. But I, I'm excited to see how this plays out. And the draft is is coming up in free agency, too. So I, I'm sure at some point, Matthew, I'd love to have you back to talk about not just the Vikings, but the rest of the NFC North and, and all that. And I appreciate your time, man. Thanks. 
Oh yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Matthew Collar, Purple Insider, and I want you. I, I want to get you the information right here so you can find him. I, I personally, I would open up Twitter and I would find Matthew Collar, C O L L E R, uh, and you can subscribe to his work at purpleinsider.substack.com. And he makes a lot of his work free too. You can find the podcast for free. He's also got a book about the 2017 Vikings. It's pinned to the top of his profile. So if you like his work, you can find it there. I'm a huge fan of his podcasts and his video content too. So he's always kind of making the rounds. And I appreciate his time. It's like, hey, you're a Vikings guy. Can you come on the Wisco Sports Show and talk about some things? And he's always super gracious and and willing. So I appreciate him. Let's take a break. Continue to talk about this. Continue to talk about the NFC, the Vikings, and the Packers. And we'll get back into the Russell Wilson stuff after 5 o'clock. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out, tuning in. Uh, I gauging the talk and text line and Twitter. I guess we haven't been enough, uh, not enough focus on Wisconsin today. Talk about the Russell Wilson news. We had a Vikings guest on, and to the Vikings guest credit, we talked about a lot of things, not just the Vikings, but I got the sense that we we need to be more Wisconsin-focused here in the last uh, quarter of the show, which works out perfectly because Zach Heilprin is scheduled to join us from the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network and The Zone, our affiliate in Madison. Zach, it's wonderful to talk to you. Uh, it's been a while. How are you, first and foremost? I'm doing fantastic. Feeling the energy here. It's, it's great. <laughs> great I, energy. I, I, think I, I think I yelled at you a little bit when I... When you picked up the phone, hey Zach, what's going on? Yeah, so there is a there is a, a certain energy today. Before we start, I do have to ask you, um, because I was on with Ebo uh, this week, and he asked me about Valentine's Day, and then, you know what I did, and a significant other of which I like, I have no life in that regard. But he said, interestingly enough, that you may or may not have a girlfriend, and you let that just slip on his show. Is that true? That's wonderful. I've never let that slip. I've talked about it on the show before. Uh, <clears throat> I've brought it up numerous times. He just doesn't listen to when I talk. So uh, that is, yes. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I'm glad that I'm able to let you know that as well, I guess. Um, I I've talked about it plenty of times with Eva on air, off air. So I'm kind of surprised that he made it such a big deal out of it. Okay, well, we're going to blame Ebo for this then. This is just a breakdown in yep. communication between me and Ebo. Well, that is wonderful. And I only ask because I do like to get to know my guests a little bit. I don't like it to be, yeah. you know, all business and, and all sports. Now, that being said, I do want to talk about the Badgers, and we have a little bit of a we had a little dissension in the ranks today. We had too much Seahawks talk, which is understandable. I, and I know you, I don't know how often you listen to the show, if ever, but here's, here's my recent stand on the Badgers, and it hasn't really changed in two weeks because I don't think anything has really changed with this team in the last two or three weeks. They've beaten the bad teams, and they lose to the good ones, right? Like, is that an unfair oversimplification? Like, is that a good way to look at this team right now? Look at their record. Look at the uh, teams that are above in the standings. They've lost all of them. They haven't beaten them a single time. Uh, they get an opportunity, of course, to do that three times here in the last three games of the season, Illinois, Purdue, and uh, and Iowa. So, yeah, I mean, you're, that's accurate. They've, they've beaten up on the teams they should and, and haven't beaten the teams that they shouldn't, I guess, uh, would be a good way to t- say it. I don't know. Yeah. Should, shouldn't, I don't know. That really depends on, on your view of what Wisconsin is. But Yeah, yeah. well, yes. let, let's talk about – what they are because in like we've seen great Badger teams we've seen Badger teams that are okay we saw one that missed the tournament but like even in their their middle of the road years where they're just okay they still find a way to like get these big wins and to get you excited because that's kind of the way Wisconsin is they can beat anyone at the Kohl's Center 
so they're always a threat to upset someone. Coach Guard really seemingly puts it together at the right time, and, and normally they collect some of these these big wins. What is it this season? Because they, I mean, it's chalk, right? They they beat the bad teams, they lose to the good ones, and there's been no, there's been, like, they haven't even lucked into a big win. Like, why do you think that is? What's jumped out to you? Is it coaching? Is it any specific players? And, and what is or isn't happening? Why is that? Because this year feels different. Well, yeah, I think, like, for the for the majority of the, the uh, Big Ten season, they haven't played well. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, you know what I mean? Like, the first 12 games of the year, there weren't a whole lot of Big Ten games in there. And uh, the, the games that they did play, they they won. And, and then they went to Michigan and got a wake-up call as to what the elite teams in this conference were. And that was about the same time that they stopped shooting the ball well. And we've seen that continue and continue and continue uh, these last 12 games. And it's led to being 6-6. Six and six. And they can beat the teams that are not very good uh, because uh, – they can beat the teams without shooting well. They can beat teams that aren't very good. And they can't beat the teams that are very good when they don't shoot well. I think it's it's to me it's it's just really not a huge like there's there's not a huge question mark as as to why it happens. It's if they shoot well they've got a chance, and if they don't against the good teams, if they shoot well they got a chance, and if they don't, then you see what happens against the Michigan or what happened in the the second half against Iowa, and like that's it just or even Illinois. I mean, they shot 16% from three-point range against Illinois. You're not going to win games like that. Yeah, but when did this become Badgers basketball? And last time I had Ebo on, like, he was lamenting this. And you know how he gets a little dramatic. I never get dramatic. That's only Ebo's thing. But he was like, Badgers you guys, basketball. You guys just go back and forth. You guys just go back and forth with dramatics. That's, that, yeah, we you guys, do. That's our, he, that's he our thing. Me. He just, he, he's texting me. He's listening. So, the uh, you guys you guys are both dramatic on air. Yeah, we, we do have a similar I, I approach. It's just been an absolute show on uh, <laughs> you guys when you guys talk. I'm guessing. Yeah. Either way, how, how how long has it been to the point where they're a three point shooting team, and if it doesn't go, they're in trouble? Yeah. Or is that is that the question? Well, look what but Ebo I mean, that's, said that's last time he was on. General, yeah, is, is they like. What happened to getting to the get to the cup and get to the free throw line and yeah. play physical? But did they just not have the personnel for that, or is that just not the way they're playing this season? I guess that's my point. It's not just the three point shooting team. Like this team used to do all those other things and be like what we believe to be a Wisconsin brand of basketball. If you look at their defensive rankings, their the you know defensive efficiency, they're still a top ten team defensively. So they still do that. They don't turn the ball over very much. Uh, what they don't do, what they used to do under Bo for a long, long stretch was get to the free, you know, shoot more free throws than, or make more free throws than your opponent attempts. Like that was a huge thing at a bow. And, and that kind of went away towards the end of his, his tenure. And it's, it's kind of stayed that way under Greg guard because three point shot has become such a huge part of college basketball in general, but Wisconsin for sure. Yeah. I mean, they, they are shooting a lot more threes now than, than they were when the whole mentality of Badger basketball became what it is. So, I don't know. I again, they they uh, they won at the end of last year because they shot over forty percent from three in their final eight games, and they still played defense, <clears throat> played defensively, didn't turn the ball over, played smart, but they hit shots. It's I know it's just so basic, but yeah. hit shots. You know what I mean? Hit shots and then continue to do the other things. Continue to play good defense. Continue to not turn the ball over. Don't let the other team get a whole bunch of second chance points uh, like Michigan did. You know, those are all things that. You know, has been it's it's not just Wisconsin, but it it is Wisconsin. The idea that people have come to know that as them, but it all I mean, if you're going to shoot as many threes as they do, you have to be able to hit them. Yeah, no, I agree. Zach Heilprin, Wisconsin Sports Zone Network, and the Zone are affiliated in Madison. So, 
We talk about Brad Davison really briefly. I thought he was, and I'm not, I'm not trying to rag on Brad Davison, and maybe it's just this season. You're about to. I, okay, well, give me a chance, and if I'm being unfair, you can shut me down, please. But, like, Brad Davison, if he's hitting threes, great. He's an effective player. But if not, it's just, like, there's nothing else. Like, I didn't remember him. He didn't used to be, like, a three-point specialist guy. Like, he would attack the rim, and he would do these other things. And it, it seems that he's just become a three-point shooter. And if those shots are falling, great. He can give you 15. But if not, you know, you're going to get four points on two of 12 shooting. I, I just Is there a better way they can utilize Brad Davison? Because it might not all be his fault, right? Maybe he's being told to shoot threes, right, and play off of Demetri well, Trice. Well, I mean, he's, he's never been... A guy's going to break somebody down and get to the hole, but he has he has gotten to the paint. When's the last time he's gotten a call? He has yeah. he is not he does not get calls when he goes to the rim. He does not get the calls that everybody else does when he goes to the rim. If, he, if I mean, if you were Brad Davidson, would you continue to do it? It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, you know that that has that to me was a huge part of the earlier in the season. But I also think he feels uh, he has to take it upon himself because he he is a. He's a solid three-pointer. I mean, his career, I believe, is like 36, 37. Um, you know, so he is, he is a guy that, of all the people that talk about how I don't lose confidence, I just keep shooting, he's the only one that I truly believe. You know what I mean? Like, I, he is a guy that I believe when he says the uh, averages always average their averages for a reason, they'll average out. If I had a bad game last time, I'll have a good game this time. He believes that. And I truly believe he believes that. And that's why he continues to shoot because he is – where he is career-wise, he is right around that 36, uh, I want to say 36, and that's, you know, livable. But you're right, he does put up a ton of shots, and I think it has a lot to do with the fact that a couple of other seniors, Aline Ford and, and Nate Reavers, aren't doing anything right now. Yeah, you know, no, no, I, I agree. They, they have a couple of players, yeah, offensively, where it just, it seems like everybody's trying to figure it out, and when everybody's trying to figure it out at once, that can be a little bit of a struggle for then the whole team. Brad Davison hasn't gotten a call since. When was a game where he drew five charges? Was that the Louisville game like two, three years ago? Because after that game, I feel like refs just, they just stopped giving him stuff. Yeah, it was NC State. NC State. Uh, his, soft, his sophomore year, I believe. So so same colors, black and red and, and white. Yeah. So I was, I was close. Okay, okay. Uh, I believe it was, yeah. Two, two and, then more... Jones, and, then, and then Bomani Jones from ESPN. <sighs> well, I actually really liked, but just took him to task. And it was, uh, he has not gotten too many calls since then. Yeah, it was the whole, you know, if like be a basketball player, like play defense, move your feet. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. getting yourself in position. Yeah, I, I remember that. Like half of playing defense is getting in position. He did it that game. He got the whistle. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to fault him for that. Two more things. Yeah. Number one, naturally, Jonathan Davis, because we have to talk about Jonathan Davis. I actually think you're going to love this take. I like, I, I want you to adopt this into your way of thinking. That's what, that's what my hope is. And I, I brought this up on the show Monday or Tuesday. I think that it's a blessing in disguise for Jonathan Davis in his career that he is somewhat limited offensively right now as a freshman because he is having to learn to fit alongside a ball-dominant point guard in Demetri Trice, and he's having to learn to fit with Reavers and Potter, these players who were seniors and played a lot of minutes of long careers. He's learning to do the little things. So sometime in the future, when it's his turn to run the show, he will be a more complete player. He will have already learned how to do all these little things that he's learning now. Now, it's obviously I would like him to be able to score right now, so for this Badger team, maybe it's not great that he's limited offensively, but I think in the future this actually is is a help. I think the struggle is a good thing for him long term. Do you think uh, you think he's not like had a huge part? Like I would, I mean, I, I think a lot of people would love him to score more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it has a lot to do with shooting, though, right? Like, well, I mean, how many? He had eight shots against Northwestern. I think he had nine 
against um, Iowa. He's he's putting up a bunch of shots, not necessarily always going in. That is a bit of an issue, right? Like that. Yeah. Right. But he does. You're right. He does so many of the other little things. And the best thing about the Northwestern game, for him at least, was getting to the free throw line and then make them. He went six for seven. That's a huge, huge step up. Because I think when he goes to the free throw line, at least earlier in the year, you kind of felt him and Tyler Wall, you're like, I don't feel good about these going in. Sure. And at this point, he's, start, he's starting to, to feel himself a little bit from the free throw line. And that is huge because he's one of the few guys that can get to the rim and has enough strength, even as a freshman, to take contact and, and get a ball up on the on the basket and get a call. So I think, yeah, no, he is, you're right, he's doing a lot of the little things that will make him a better player and more complete player in the, in the future. I think it was, who was the guy that said he's going to be the best player in the Big Ten? Someone said that on telecast uh, earlier this year. They thought he's going to be the best player in the Big Ten before everything's said and done. I don't know about that, uh, but it says a lot about like his complete, his completeness that he has the ability to at some point in his career to do that. Cause I think he does both on, on both ends of the court. He is a, a much better defender than an, uh, an offensive player right now, but you yes. can see the, the, you can see the little things on offense that he does that uh, Wisconsin doesn't necessarily have other guys can do. Well, Zach, if you can be the best player in the Mississippi Valley conference, you can be the best player. I mean, the sky is the limit. And I got to say, I want to bring this up before I ask you the last question. I did a game at lacrosse central. I had to go cover it. It was uh, Lacrosse Central versus Eau Claire North. And do you know in the Lacrosse Central gym, and I need to, we need to bring awareness to this, they have a Mr. Basketball banner for Kobe King, but they don't have one for Johnny Davis. And I don't know why I care so much about this, but I do. Like, they, he needs a banner right next pandemic to pandemic related? Uh, you think it's pandemic related? Okay. They just haven't found enough time. Trying to get kids back in school, they haven't had found enough time to figure out a way to get you know, uh, a banner up there to, to honor Jonathan Davis yet. <laughs> do you think Do you think it's because they want to have an unveiling ceremony or they're just focused on other things? Is that what you're saying? Because that's yeah, reasonable, yeah. I, I, feel, I, I feel like there's some other things that they're concentrating <laughs> on, you know, uh, these last 12 months or so. Well, with no students in the building, you know, maybe you have time to work on things like that. So I, I don't know. Different perspectives, hmm. but, like, I don't know if somebody's listening who has pull with these sorts of things, somebody who makes banners for, like, I don't know. But it's just a bummer. I hate to go they'll put, to... They'll get one up there. He will. They'll get one up he there. He will. And I hate to go in there and the only banner be Kobe King. Yeah, no, it, it reminds it reminds me of when they unveiled Ron Dane's name on the facade of Camp Randall, at, like, right after right after they won the championship in 1999. And he had won, a Heisman, won the Heisman Trophy that year. And they put it up there because, you know, Heisman Trophy winner. And, like, the following year, it's like, oh, well, we better get Alan Michi's name up there, too. So they had an unveiling for Alan Amici as well. I'm sure, I'm sure Jonathan, da- Jonathan Davis will have a banner soon enough. Okay. I feel better. Lastly, uh, okay. in, in my opinion, this is the way I've been playing it up this week. This Saturday is it. Like, I, I think this is the Badgers' best chance the rest of the year to get a big statement win. They got a week off, right? They have Illinois at home. I don't know the status of Io DeSumo. I know he's messed up his nose. I don't know if he's going to play with a mask or what. But, like, this Saturday, I have this day circled. Right, because I, like I think this is it. I don't know if they can beat Iowa after what I saw last week, especially on the road. Like, tell me about this Saturday's game, what it means, and how the Badgers best go about this to kind of get one signature win before this regular season is done. Well, does it become, does it lose anything if Dasumu doesn't play? Um, I, I don't think he's going to play. I don't think he's going to play. Plays, I, yeah, I don't think he's going to play. Uh, I mean, that's kind of the the feeling. He may not be back until next week. Um, so that I. I it doesn't really matter, right? Like, Illinois is still Illinois, and yes, Desumo is a Big Ten Player of the Year, potential National Player of the Year-like candidate. Him and Luca Garza 
right there. But yeah, I mean, no one's gonna. I don't. You still have to. You still have to win the game. And mm-hmm. Illinois has plenty of other talent. And you showed no ability to still uh, to stop Kofi Coburn down low before. So that's that's a challenge that's not going away. It's a huge, huge opportunity for Wisconsin to have this entire week off. Illinois playing twice, potentially you're not going to have their All-American guard lineup. Yes, that's a game that I don't even know if you. It's as simple as saying, uh, you know, could win. It's a it's a should win game, right? Ooh. Like it, after what after what Illinois is going through this week, and if Desuma does not play, that is a should win game at home for a senior laden team that believes in itself that it ha- it can still make a deep run and still has many of the same pieces that won a Big Ten title last year. That's a should-win game at home. Hey, I, you're preaching to the choir. I love that approach, and it gets me excited for the Saturday's game. And it's, it's not that I've had issues getting excited for Badger games, but we feel like we've been watching the same movie now for a couple of weeks. I, I love the I love they should take this game personally, and they're seniors, and they still have yeah. deep bullet. Like, I, I like what I'm hearing, Zach. I, I very much feel good about Saturday now. They got embarrassed. They got embarrassed on it at Illinois. Kofi uh, Coburn dunking nine times. Like, that is embarrassing. Micah Potter has said as much. They need to come out and play and show that same fight uh, that they did not show that day and play the same kind of intensity they did against Northwestern. And, and really, uh, for large portions of the Iowa game, too, it's it's a huge opportunity. And it's a, at this point, if DeSumo does not play, a should-win game. I love that take. I love that approach. And, Zach, I apologize. I kept you way, way too long, but I appreciate your time. Enjoy the games this weekend, and I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, as always. All right. Thanks, Grant. Thanks. Zach Heilprin, the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Give it up for Zach, everybody. And I love that take. That, that got me excited. Yes, they should win this game. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Let's wrap up the show. A couple thoughts on the Badgers. Maybe we'll, you know, tie a bow on whatever we were saying about the Packers, too, once I remember. I'll have to, I'll have to go back and look. Final segment of the Wisconsin Sports Show coming up after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.